This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luke Olivier Dumabre. And I'm Yannick Wenger. And what's our topic for today, Yannick? The Nintendo Switch. But before we start on that, I think you have follow-up, some follow-up. Yeah, we do. So um, as you may have heard, Apple Pay launched in Japan yesterday at the time we're recording this. And it was so successful that the servers for Mobile Suica went down. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, and I don't have much, much more to add with regards to the actual launch of Apple Pay in Japan. Obviously, Japan has been used for the last decade to making contactless payments with their phones. So it's not something super wonderful. But it's great that all of these people who gave up their phones were capable of making contactless payments like five years ago are now capable of making them again on an iPhone. Uh, so that's really cool. And I've been seeing a lot of excited pictures from people who are trying it out for the first time. Although Japanese people are realizing the same issue that you have in the London Underground right now, which is if you use an Apple Watch, how the fuck do you get your wrist on the thing when it's on the wrong side? Um, still no clear answer to that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the sensor is on the right side. Yes. So it will be perfectly okay for me, but for most people, not okay. If you wear it on your left arm, you are fucked. Uh, Uh, You you should see the number of times where I do that with my opus card here where I like my right arm is stuck, uh, like holding stuff or or it's not feasible to... uh, exchange my ends and put past the card full from one to the other then i just do like this movement of like your left arm is extended and uh, you try to scan your card and it works it's not nice but it works we do have more details about uh the felica hardware inside the iphones because this was something we were uncertain of uh when the original uh announcement was made is like, what's the deal? Are only the Japanese iPhones going to have Felica hardware on board? And that seems inefficient and all that stuff. And it turns out that if you actually go look at the teardowns for the iPhone 7, all models of the iPhone have the Felica hardware on board, but it's disabled in software except on models purchased in Japan, which is sort of a big fuck you to all of us who love Felica in the West, who can't use it in the West, but would love to use it when we go to Japan. And I assume the same thing is the case for Apple Watch Series 2. I haven't seen any teardowns of those that have mentioned it. Um, Another thing that those of us in the tourist club, because a bunch of my friends and I are going to Japan at the end of the year, uh, we're wondering, like, is it possible to add Suica to a Japanese Series 2 watch from a Western iPhone? And so far, things don't look very good. Um, Because if you have an iPhone that doesn't have the Felica hardware or has it disabled, uh, you have to use the Suica app to actually add the thing. And if you go to the Suica app from a Western iPhone, it just says your phone doesn't support Apple Pay, which is not true, but it doesn't seem to detect the variant of Apple Pay that this app is looking for. So Ugh. that's a little weird. Um, we're still not sure about all of that. But then we found out that even once mobile Suica is bound to your iPhone, the only way you have to recharge it from that point on is with a Japanese credit card. So even if we were able to actually bind our Suica card to our phone or our watch, we wouldn't be able to charge it because none of us have credit cards in Japan. So that is really inconvenient, and it seems that carrying around a real Suica card is going to be the best bet for frequent visitors without a Japanese credit card in the near term. Um, And it's also sort of discouraging news, I guess. Well, it's sort of discouraging, sort of encouraging for people in Taiwan who also use Felica for mobile payments, except... It technically isn't av- available on the phones that they are buying now, but I suppose a software update could enable it for support in Taiwan in the future. Who knows? Um, but that is the deal with Apple Pay in Japan. Yeah, it is super sad that Apple is imposing those uh, restrictions. And as far as I understood, we don't know if Apple is enforcing those restrictions or they are forced to enforce the, those restrictions, if you see what I mean here. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm going I believe, with... I believe there might be some licensing fees involved with having the Felicus hardware active, so they want to limit it to only the markets in which it's actually useful, which is something I can sort of understand from a logistical point of view. But on the other hand, it sort of baffles me that since the chip is in there, you might as well just make it part of the hardware price and just say, like, fuck it. I, I don't understand. It's really strange. Um, this is speculation, by the way. Nobody really knows why it's disabled aside from, well, Apple wanted to disable it. But this is like the running theory right now. Um, and there's a really good FAQ, which I'll try to find up, uh, that my friend Spirit Snare linked to me uh, 
from someone who is ostensibly in Japan who has done all of this stuff. And also, there is a hilarious PDF on the JR East website. I don't know if you saw when I tweeted this yesterday. I did. It's like it's like the quick start guide to using mobile suic on your iPhone, except it has like 700 steps on it. Oh my it's hilarious. Goodness. But that's Japan at its best. They love very detailed tutorials to the point of having so many steps that it seems complicated. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on. But it's not. So what you mean is it's not complicated. It's just like the second they scroll like one pixel of the image, they'll take another screenshot. It's like, okay, we are there, and then we are moved there, and then we move there, and see now this right section appears on screen after you scroll like ten extra ten times with the ten ten instructions. Yeah, like yesterday I went on Konami's website. This is totally unrelated. Uh, I went on Jap- uh, Konami's website to go do uh, an amusement fast transfer, which is one their uh, IC card that they use for mobile payments, among other things. Which, by the way, the iPhone can pretend to be an EMUSE pass if you are a Suica user, so that's cool. Um, but the problem is, like, they have this three-step process to transfer your card. And, like, two of the steps are just confirmation steps to make sure <laughs> that you're doing the right thing. It's like, are you sure? Are you really, really sure? And here is, like, the information from the two previous steps to confirm that you actually did the right thing. <laughs> it was really weird and anal, and it's the kind of obsessiveness that Japan has. like. They try to make things as granular as possible and have as many steps as possible. And in many ways, that hurts the usability of their things. But they they just want more simpler steps instead of less complex steps. Good. Um, just a super sad that it's not working on other phones. Because if you were to take, like, if we both were to take our iPhones in the US or in Europe, for example, if we have an access to NFC terminals to pay they would gladly accept our cards. So, well, as far, uh, as far as I know, um, NFC payments for my debit and credit cards would also work in Japan. Oh, it's that, just that's good. It's just that that's not supported. No, yeah, I understand that part, but just that since like 90% of your cards and it will support it, then just this tiny fraction that... And as far as you always told us, is it's super useful, uh, the Suica card in Japan. So, yeah. Oh well, hopefully we'll get lucky in the future and maybe Apple will uh, gladly trade 1% of their like margins to cover those costs if it is indeed the truth why it's not actually Judging the by the investor relations call earlier, I would doubt it. <laughs> fair, let's move on. fair. But let's move on. Is that it for your follow-up? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, also- actually, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Uh, I forgot. Uh, on the last episode, I mentioned that I was going to be on a podcast, probably. And uh, yes, I was on a podcast. I was on episode 77 of the selectbutton.net podcast, which may or may not be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, we recorded it last weekend, and it's in editing right now. So if it's out, uh, you can go check the notes down there. I'm pointing down there, but you can't see it because I'm not on camera. I'm doing like those YouTube people. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you can go check the link in the show notes and you'll listen to me talk about Bungie with a bunch of other very funny people. It is a very strange episode, but I recommend you go listen to it if you like Bungie or Destiny. Okay, now I'm done for real. You can move on. Good. And before we go on your main topic for today, I would like to celebrate something. Yep. Yes, we teased that in the past few episodes. And it is this episode, episode 52, is our second episode anniversary celebration episode yay we don't do anything special we just celebrate it right now which at the same time we are celebrating we also have a sad news to announce um like yannick just kind of like subtly mentioned that he's going back to japan uh yannick will be back in uh, back in japan uh in the new year like and uh this year we've decided to take a small hiatus while he's away so Yannick will be leaving uh, our motherland in December and should be back at the end of January. And in January, we will evaluate when we will resume the podcast. So stay tuned. Obviously, we will uh, remind our listeners in the, last, in the next few episodes. And the last episode would be released on December 11th. So this means that it's three episodes away, excluding this particular one. That's so, literally the day I leave, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, we'll have to uh, make that work. Maybe we could do a two episode, like, like recorded shortly one after the other, and I could edit the last one. I wouldn't mind that much. 
But yeah, like I mentioned, uh, we were super excited to start recording today because it's a second anniversary whilst knowing that we will take a small break in a couple of weeks. Yep. So now let's talk about your main topic. Yeah, so Thursday morning, uh, well, actually, no, let's, let's start Wednesday night. Wednesday night, out of nowhere, Nintendo tweets something about the NX, which is totally weird because there is even a bot on Twitter that just looks at the Nintendo Twitter for mentions of the word NX and tweets when Nintendo tweets about the NX, uh, which is hilarious. And it finally sent its first tweet <laughs> when it said uh, that Nintendo was going to have a reveal of the NX on Thursday morning. And so Thursday morning, people wake up at like 10 a.m., I think it was, uh, and they released this three-minute teaser video for their new console, which is not called the NX. The NX was just the, co- the code name. It's called a Nintendo Switch. And it more or less lives up to the reports that Eurogamer had a couple months ago. It's a screen that appears to be six or seven inches in size. It can be docked in a docking station at home with detachable controllers on the left and right sides of the display, which can be used for local multiplayer, or if they're joined to the left and right sides of the display, make up the player one controller. Um, There are directional buttons as opposed to a D-pad, like players may be used to on more traditional controllers, and this is to ensure that both players have the same types of controls available to them when the controllers are attached. Otherwise, someone would be playing with a d-pad as an action button and that would be really uncomfortable and would also prevent you from pressing two buttons at the same time uh and it's built on nvidia tegra technology which is very similar to what we've seen in the shield tablets so that's pretty cool do you want to know what was the first thing i said to uh tony because he's super excited about the switch when after i watched the teaser and uh, not yet. I want to go through the information that we don't know yet before we talk about our impressions. I know it's going to be hard to wait. Okay. No, sure, sure. It's but not about all... the impression, but I'll oh, keep it there. Well, okay. Maybe before I go back, the small int that we'll give is it is something that we both mentioned when we talk about the history of the 3DS in mm. our Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, th- this is coming out in March. The- that wasn't in my list, but you just reminded me that this comes out in March. Okay, uh, it, let's keep that for later. Yeah, so here's what we don't know. We don't know pricing at all. Um, so that's pricing. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen to the 3DS. Uh, Nintendo has publicly claimed this is primarily a home system and the 3DS continues to fill another market. But famously, back when the DS was originally announced, they said that the DS was a third pillar platform that didn't obviate the need for the Game Boy, and, well, you know how that turned out. Um, and Nintendo said in their investor call that a 3DS successor would be coming much later. So <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, I was super, super confused after watching this teaser. And then it was what, the, na- the day after or the same day that they said to their investor, oh, yeah, yeah, don't forget the DS successor is here. It's coming. We'll make shit ton of money on it. it we'll bet our. It, it, I'm not surprised that. It, they didn't say that, but I was not. I would have been not surprised if they said something like, "We'll bet our future on it. It will be the best console ever." And well, just... Japanese investor calls aren't that exciting, unfortunately. But fair, fair. If it was me, I would make them more exciting. But let's uh, let's leave that aside. Yep. Uh, next thing on the list of things we don't know is battery life. How long does it last on a charge? And another thing that is very very concerning about this is. If you listen to what Nintendo's been saying about this, if this is primarily a home system, then does that mean you can only charge it in the charging dock? Because that would be really, really a big problem for travelers. <laughs> yeah, and we know we know the awesome battery life that the Wii U pad has. Yeah, or well, good... actually, 3DS isn't that great either, and Vita is, well, on old Vitas, original Vitas are not that great either. The new Vitas are actually pretty good. Hmm. Uh, but still, the, the Vita and the 3DS were way better than the Wii U pad. And yeah, Wii U gamepad was sort of an embarrassment. And when you open the battery door, you're like, what the fuck is this shit? Because the battery is tiny and there's a huge compartment. But that's because you can go buy an extended battery, except it makes yes. the controller heavier, which is a weird trade-off that I think could repeat itself here because it's sort of like the same idea as the Wii U in many ways. Oh, totally. And it seemed like, especially with the Wii U, it seemed that Nintendo knew that people would complain about the weight 
but they also knew that people would complain about the battery size so they didn't know what compromise to do so they decided let's ship it with a smaller battery and if people complain that it's as a shitty battery life here's the battery that fits perfectly because we designed the old to fit perfectly a bigger battery it's like they, they didn't want to take this kind of uh, industrial design decision but they just leave that to the consumer and hopefully they make more money because most consumers should buy this battery the other thing that's infuriating about it is like when you compare what the Wii U gamepad does to what like an iPad mini does and what the difference in size and volume they have, you're like, what the fuck? Like, why can't you make the battery life last longer? This thing is huge compared to an iPad mini and the iPad mini is like basically a real computer. And the uh, Wii U gamepad is only a screen. Like, it's weird. Oh, fair, fair. But uh, let's be honest here. Nintendo and had introduced great technology and the wi-fi technology or like wireless technology that they use between the gamepad and the console is amazing yeah that is true um another thing we don't know the game lineup beyond what was teased briefly in the trailer and previously announced so i'm going to go through every game that was in the trailer legend of zelda breath of the wild Mm -hmm. an untitled new mario game Yes. A Splatoon sequel slash updated re-release. Oh, yes. Oh, I was super excited when I saw the, the gameplay of that game. I was like, yes. Mario Kart 8 sequel slash updated re-release. No hype for Mario Kart 8? I'm surprised. Uh, no. Oh, yes, yeah. You but... don't like Mario Kart 8. I forgot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Watch your words. It's not that I don't like it. It's that so you prefer Mario Kart 64, which is Yes. Bad. Okay. It's not bad. <laughs> Uh, next up on the list, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, uh, which is kind of weird. We'll go into this in a little bit later. Uh, NBA 2K17 was in the trailer. And onwards, the next few games I'm going to list are pre-announced before this thing was shown. Uh, Just Dance 2017, Sonic 2017, Dragon Quest X and Dragon Quest XI, and SteamWorld Heights, uh, which is, as far as I know, the only indie game that was announced on the NX. So, Nintendo also showed a long list of companies supporting the Switch in a subsequent press release, but the catch there is that the Wii U had one of those lists as well, and most companies had bailed on it a year later. So it doesn't really mean anything in practice that they have all of these companies pledging support for the Switch, but yeah. Um, to be honest though, I think it, it is better like than what it said about the Wii U. And... The reason why I say that is because now that Nintendo had the Wii U and most people, most game devs dropped it, it's nice that they were able to convince those developers to come back again and give them like hope or I don't know what they give them to, but uh, if they were able to create some excitement from those game developers to be ready to come back to Nintendo platforms and invest into a Nintendo platform, it means that Nintendo still has something here to offer. And it seems that those companies are hopefully ready to do that. Yeah, uh, it was mentioned in a couple of the broadcasts that I listened to that basically the only novelty thing in this device is the fact that you can take it on the go, which is good from a developer point of view because it means that you basically still can act like this is just a console you're developing for whereas the wii u there was an extra screen so you had to at least figure something out to put on that screen if it's not an alternate user interface you have to mirror the thing there and uh there are just a lot of things like whenever you try to push your unique features to make your console differentiated You've also got to consider the investment that is necessary on the uh, on developers, and I think that they didn't make that they didn't do the math correctly for the Wii U, whereas their their product is much simpler from a developer point of view this time around because it has much less unique features. And maybe maybe I'm not sure if you'll uh, talk about that, but since it's using the, this uh, Nvidia socket on the chip. Uh, that the uh, shield use it is if I recall, if I recall correctly, it is about the same hardware that we've seen a year and a half ago or two years ago, or from what we've. I known. think the shield tablet K one was like a year ago. Okay, so and where I'm going with this is regarding development. 
on it? Like, will it make development more akin to what we see on iOS and Android because it's kind of a known hardware? Or yes. will it be like something like really custom, like maybe what were the Wii and the Wii U? Well, the good news is that it's not PowerPC anymore. So, Fair. like, so many people are putting their effort into x86 for PC and for the other consoles. And they're also putting their effort into ARM for iOS and Android. That now basically it's like another ARM target that they have, um, which is good from that point of view. The other thing is that hardware wise, it's about comparable with what you could expect out of the Wii U. So it's not, it's more of a side grade. You're getting like a non fucked up version of the Wii U if you buy the Switch with hmm. basically the main, the same specs, but the correct product <laughs> it's it's hard to say uh we'll go more into this in a little bit uh, i just want to touch on the point about skyrim because skyrim is very strange um bethesda software who actually makes skyrim will not confirm the existence of skyrim for the switch even though it's in the trailer because they said we collaborated with nintendo on putting skyrim in the trailer but we have nothing else to announce today <laughs> which is very strange choice of language Ooh, it, it it either sound that they cannot say anything else because the NDA requires them to not say a fucking word except from, yes, we help Nintendo do this trailer and that's it. <laughs> or it's, it's just very strange that they basically can't say what game is going to come out on the Switch except, well, we put Skyrim in the trailer and we're very glad to have put Skyrim in the trailer. It's like very, very strange choice of words. And it makes me question what the hell is going on. I think NBA 2K17 is a little similar uh, in the terms that they were using. But I, the way I interpreted it from 2K was more like, we're not sure if this is going to be 2K17 or 2K18, since it won't be the current game when the console ships, you know? Uh, yeah, because 217 is out right now. Yeah, right. So it might be 2K18, but they don't necessarily want to announce 2K18 like in the off season when it doesn't make sense you know it like that one makes more sense to me but skyrim is not like an annual franchise thing where you can sort of say well the next game in the series is going to be on it but it's like no so i don't know about that that's very strange um moving on to the last thing we don't know about the switch or at least the last major thing is we don't know if the screen on the Switch is the touchscreen or not. Nintendo doesn't want to confirm or deny this at all, and people are very curious because if it has a touchscreen, that means it could enable uh, DS games from the Virtual Console, like on the Wii U, or maybe 3DS and Wii U backward compatibility as well. Of course, minus the 3D because the screen is... Well, unless the screen also does 3D, but then you get into weird shit because... 3D and 720p resolution screen is not compatible together with anyway it's complicated it's very very complicated to explain why 3DS games 3D stuff can't be emulated on a larger display I don't want to go into it uh you just trust me no and I th I think we did mention some of the reason especially in on our Nintendo episode where we yeah. just said that the reason why the 3DS is a shitty screen it's because they wanted to put 3D in it and having a higher resolution screen, yes, it is feasible, but I think the cost and all of the fact, all of the limitation that Nintendo wanted the 3DS to have, that they were kind of forced to use that particular size screen and all. I really okay, want so to. I really want to talk about the release date now. The uh, release date. Yes. Okay. And you know why now? Yes. So, <laughs> like I teased, the first thing I did say regarding the Switch is. Super nice. I'm super excited that it will get out. Why the fuck did it, why the fuck does this get released after Christmas? Yep. They did the same mistake with the 3DS and we went through that uh, in our Nintendo episode. That is a great retrospective, especially with all of the announcements that we have right now for the Switch. And Nintendo did the same mistake with the 3DS. Hopefully they were able to, they were able to save it and kind of quote unquote win this generation of like NL console. But in the situation they are right now, they kind of need to sell a shit ton of them and sell them fast. And launching a new product after the Christmas season, I know it's like 
at they say March, so it may be like Apple style, like March twenty first, twenty seventeen, which will still be March, but it still sounds weird to me. I'm surprised that you don't have anything to add regarding that. Not about the release date. No, I, I'm. I sort of agree that it's a mistake, but I don't know what else to say about it other than it's a mistake. Like fair, okay, fair, fair, fair. That's a fair point. Uh, so what were your first impressions about the trailer, aside from the release date? <laughs> fair, and my second impression, I would say it. I think this is what the Wii U should have been, and I uh, was reflect when I said that I was reflecting on my. PS Vita ownership and it is hopefully from what they demoed and try and the intent I've kind of understood after the teaser is they want to have a console that is yes home-like it might not be as powerful as a PS4 or an Xbox One but still it is like own console caliber hardware which you can like travel with and this like amaze me and i'm super excited to have a console that is maybe like what 85 percent the powerfulness of a own console but i can travel with and if nintendo was saying that oh this is our main like an only console i can see that developers will have to choose one if you want to go on nintendo you all go on the switch and hopefully this would mean that they don't need to backport do maybe like a dumber version of popular titles because the hardware is not capable enough and this will mean hopefully a greater catalog of games okay. what okay you <laughs> don't seem to agree with that it's not that i disagree it's that i think nintendo i think your experience might be a little bit skewed by the vita um Fair. which i guess it, is fair because the Vita part of the issue we had with the Vita is that it was built basically on the same promise in some degree to say like they said uh, it's trivial to take a PS3 game and port it to Vita basically and that's why we saw stuff like Metal Gear Solid HD Collection wind up on the Vita and other kinds of easy ports made very quickly to the Vita and in certain cases, the Vita versions were actually better performing than the PS3 versions because of weird shit, uh, because <laughs> Konami was weird. Uh, those HD collections, the Konami HD collections, were largely a disaster, by the way. The Metal Gear one is, like, the only one that is sort of salvageable uh, in the end. Um, which is the only one I played, by the way, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, I would have been very interested in Zone of the Enders on PS Vita, but that never came out, so that is too bad. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I should go to my impressions and we'll see a little bit further along why we disagree, probably. Uh, a lot of people called you this Wii U done right, like you did, uh, and I think that's a fair uh, statement because it doubles down on the strengths of the Wii U while trying to run as far away from the gimmicks that they tried to pack into the Wii U, which is sort of where it all fell down. Uh, in this case, the big bet is on making games a social experiences in physical space by allowing you to take the experience anywhere and having local multiplayer available at any time, basically. Um, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to bet on social multiplayer on paper, but I think it can backfire, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, in the trailer, there's a Splatoon tournament, and the Splatoon tournament is a bit interesting because I hope it means that Nintendo is going to be investing more heavily in esports and esports with regards to Splatoon going forward. Uh, today they announced like this tournament for Splatoon on their Twitter thing. Uh, and it was sort of funny to see it because, like, I'm following Overwatch very, very quick, uh, closely now that I'm unemployed and <laughs> watching many, many tournaments all day long. And you have these tournaments with, like, prize pools of $180,000 on the line. And then Splatoon comes along and they say, if you win this tournament, you get a signed poster of Splatoon by the developers. <laughs> oh and I'm God. like, okay, that's not what I had in mind when I was considering, like, esports. But okay, good first step. And so, now, now I seriously understand why you're watching uh, Overwatch tournaments. It's, it's, it's the training procedure. Ah. Not really. I'm uh, very bad at Overwatch. Uh, um, crap. But competitive Splatoon, like, it was an actual thing. The thing is, it lost all of its momentum when Overwatch came out and sucked all the player base out of it because 
out of the two colorful first well not i guess that splatoon is technically a third person shooter but in all of the colorful shooters that were released in the near past overwatch is the much more compelling one and it's the one that has like a bunch of esports money going towards it like Overwatch is currently poised to be the biggest shooter in the history of first-person shooters. It's not there yet, but it's on trajectory to get there within a couple of years. And I think that for the competitive scene in particular, Blizzard has almost 20 years of esports experience that Nintendo isn't really going to just walk in overnight and do it correctly right out of the gate. But I think they need to be taking steps because Splatoon and Smash in particular are huge, huge games that could be huge for Nintendo and they're basically not doing shit with them. And I think it's a wasted opportunity and they should be jumping on it. Yeah. What interests me about this argument is what would you like Nintendo to see? Like what would they need to do to better engage with the esport community? Well, I think first of all, I think it's a little bit extreme to just say like there should be a Splatoon league with salaries and teams and all of that shit, because that shit is happening in a lot of other esports. It's just not happening in Splatoon and Smash. Well, Smash to a certain degree it is, actually. There are players on teams that are basically paid full-time salaries to play Smash. Um, but, I mean, like, Nintendo offers very, very little support to the Smash community in particular. Like, until very recently, they were actually trying to take down the competitive Smash community, which is fucking insane. Like, you don't do that. Uh, like, if you have the most passionate people about your game and you're trying to tell them, like, no, you can't stream our game because that's copyright violation. Like, what the fuck, Nintendo? Thank you. Um, but, like, Nintendo has gotten over that hump and now they are actively, like, contributing money to prize pools in tournaments for Smash, which is good. Uh, I think they're leaning more towards Smash 4 than towards Smash Melee, which is what everyone wants to play. And that is a whole other episode that I don't want to get into um, because I don't want to make my Melee friends angry. Um but I think, like, Splatoon has... It's kind of strange because, like, most of my exposure to the competitive Splatoon scene is in Japan. And Japan is notorious for not giving a shit about shooters most of the time. Like, until Destiny and Overwatch, they sort of never gave a shit about shooters before. And then Splatoon also got in there. And I think, like, there are big tournaments that are getting huge crowds for Splatoon at big events in Japan. And I think, like, it's cool, except there are no real stakes on the line, and I think, like, if they want to make this a huge thing where, like, you have Splatoon matches on TV and everything, I think that's viable. They just have to get involved, and they're not. And I think they need to, like, provide money to tournament people and provide some sort of structure. And usually for esports, it takes, like, two and a half, three years for, like, the a game that is released to have an actual esports structure in place and i don't even think that amount of time has taken place since the launch of splatoon because i think they were caught by surprise to a certain extent that the competitive community blew up this big like they did with smash to a certain extent um and they are much more receptive to splatoon as a competitive game as they were uh than they were about smash which is very good uh, i think to a certain degree because it's a different team they were more open to that than smash's team is and um, in a way they also add the smash experience quote-unquote experience if like they, they even if they didn't they were not prepared for it they kind of knew that it happened to another there uh, was corporate Nintendo knowledge IP. yeah there yes. was corporate knowledge that there was this thing that happened in the past and here are the ways to circumvent it um fair fair the, the reaction was still about the same or maybe a bit better but at least they knew that it could happen it was a possibility but like i want to see nintendo really investing in splatoon because i think that it could be a better competitive game except like everything is being run by the community right now and there's no real money backing it in many ways so it's just amateur leagues and you're not going to see the really skilled players really give a shit okay no that's uh that's interesting it's a part of the gaming industry that i like seriously don't not don't get but it's just like it's something like i never watch i never like i'm not interested into it so it's surprise it's always uh kind of interesting when i've kind of run into it and uh, my most interaction with it is when you mentioned that either you watch stuff or you showed me a couple of videos. I've been researching esports a lot in the past few months, and I think we're going to have to have, at the very least, the MOBA episode in the next season of our show, uh, if not a full-on esports episode. 
uh, because I think it's a big topic to approach, and it was something that was very confusing to me for a while, and it's not until I really tried to go research it that I started, it, it started click, to click in my head. Oh yeah, I think that may be something that will help me to better understand it if I like do some research on it while preparing for that specific episode. Yep. Uh, next up, Splatoon and Mario Kart. They look like they could be 0.5 re-releases of the Wii U titles with new features here or there. And I can basically name these features. Uh, in Splatoon, there are different hairstyles. Right now, you can't customize your hairstyle in Splatoon, but you are in the Switch version, so that is strange. And in Mario Kart, there is a character in one of the carts that is not in the game right now, and you can also hold two items at once in the Switch version. So... It's unclear if these are just going to be enhanced sports with more features or if these are full new versions. Um, of course, we're going off of like literally seconds of footage here, so like there's not much to say about it. Um, but it would not surprise me if Nintendo was trying this 0.5 approach to recycle as much of what they did on the Wii U as possible because if people have never used a Wii U, then it's still new to them and it's still a good buy for those people because now they're getting guaranteed titles that are good plus new features on top of it. So it's like even better for them. Uh, and another example I would name of this is Mario Maker and Yoshi's Woolly World are getting re-releases on 3DS, I think this month, uh, which seemed to exist mostly because Nintendo thought it was a shame that nobody played them because it was on the Wii U. Fair, and it seems to me that it's a, it's a strategy that both Microsoft and Sony is currently using with all of the remasters games that we see. And I'm part of the problem, let's be honest. Uh, Yannick loved to te loves to tease me about my game library, which consists mostly of remastered game on the PS4. And But there's a reason for that is I have limited time to allocate to video games. And most of those games are games that either I forgot about them when they got released on the PS3 and now they get remastered and re-released on the PS4. So I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to play that game. So let's get the remastered version. And obviously, uh, maybe I'll be able to enjoy some of those like added uh, little features. Or it's people that want to enjoy back those big titles from the previous generation and it seems that those port in most cases are an easy win for the developers. And personally, I have an example of that. Like I'm planning in hopefully in the next few weeks to start again playing to The Last of Us and redo it again. I have the remastered version. I'll do it again. And this time I'll be able to play the DLC because the DLC is included for quote unquote free with the remastered version. So I'll get something that I didn't do with the PS3. So I could see like Nintendo doing that and that would be kind of a their launch titles. Maybe you'll get one or two new games that are were completely designed for the Switch and then you have like Splatoon, Mario Kart, Mario Maker that do as a comeback in the next three like some of them at the launch, some of them in the next three months after release, just to keep keep the hype and people will buy those games. And uh Funny story, like Tony bought Mario Maker, but his uh, nephew broke it, like he's two years old. So uh, it was lying around in the house and he broke the disc. So we're looking to get a new copy of it, but those games are super expensive still on the Wii U. Like Nintendo, I, and what I'm understanding here is Nintendo knows that those games will sell. If you have a Wii U, you will get those games. So you all paid a big price and I'm sure they understand that if they do re-release of those games for the Switch, they'll make big bucks. Yeah, I think the only price drops that have been on Nintendo games since the Wii U came out were the launch titles, which they've sort of put it in like a best selection lineup. But like all of the other games are still 60 bucks, which I think is fair because that's what they're worth because they're really good games. But at the same time, if you're coming from like Sony or Xbox, where there are sales every week on the store, that's not really what you're expecting. Oh, totally fair. Like, uh, and <laughs> it's funny because I just finished the uh, first uh, Tom Raider from the reboot of the series in 2013. I played the remastered version, and I was talking with that with a colleague. And over the weekend, he texted me saying, "Like, oh, it's not thirty-five dollars. It is like nine dollars because it's on sale right now, seventy-five percent off." I was like you need to buy it right fucking now. And that's what he did. 
because at this point consumer on especially on the mic on the playstation uh, platform they kind of get uh a customized to those deals the same way when you i speak to my pc gamer friends when they go on steam and everything is on sale all the time people get customized to that and they will wait a month or two to get the deal on the same game they will have enjoyed because they are ready to they can wait and they don't need to get it the day it gets released yep okay now that we've talked about what was in the trailer uh i should ask the big question that kills do we think the system is going to succeed <laughs> Ooh, that's a bit early to ask that but okay that's good well given what we know about it do we think the system will succeed Huh. That's oof. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be a slam dunk anyway. It's hard. It's hard for me to answer that. And I think I'll start by saying that I wish it will succeed. And that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh maybe if I can answer your answer your question by asking you a question, I would say like do you Why do on... you think it's not going to succeed? No, 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 no. It's do you plan to get one? And I can tell you, our asshole will get one. Like Tony already told me, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I need to buy one. So I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> so we will get one. And I'm sure if it's not at release time, it will be close by. So uh, whether I think it will succeed or not, I'll get one and I'll be able to experience it. Uh, hopefully, if they play it on the approach, I think, like like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, saying like, okay, it's one console. We focus all of our energy to put the best video game experience of the of the like 2020 years. Like imagine like 2020, we want to have the best experience we can have. We'll put all our money, all of our energy into that, and that's the switch if they do that i think it will succeed if a new 3ds successor if it if it's a new new 3ds gets out or a successor of it gets out i'm not sure about it to be honest okay so the easy answer to this question is capcom no. said oh. no <laughs> is capcom said that there's going to be a monster hunter game that's going to sell over an estimated 2 million copies at the end of march 2017 <laughs> Okay, so it means so it yes. means yes, guaranteed success. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but there is a Monster Hunter Direct uh, this week, <laughs> so I can't wait to watch that. But they have said it does not involve the Switch, so maybe it's just another 3DS Monster Hunter game, which would be really, really disappointing because everyone saw the Switch and they said, "Holy shit, I want to play Monster Hunter on that," and that might not happen. We'll see. Um, okay, so if I'm being serious. Uh, I don't know if this system is going to succeed. Uh, one of the questions I have been asking myself whoa, a lot... Whoa, 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 I never said I w- it was a yes or no answer. <laughs> For fuck's sake, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you are implying that I should reply by yes or no to that question and justify it. And Just implying. Say- I didn't say it. <sighs> anyway. Go on. One of the questions I've been asking myself a lot this week is, who is this targeting? Uh, the gaming press seems to be arguing that Nintendo is trying to target people our age as opposed to kids like they traditionally have. And part of me wonders if that's a mistake. Um, now, I understand that some people have argued uh, that adults have the buying power, and therefore, if you convince the adults, then even if there are kids at home, the adults have the power, so you need to convince the adults, which is a fine argument. But what I'm talking about is specifically like mid to late 20s, no kids, single, well, maybe not single, who cares? That, that's a detail. Uh, so I, our... I think the best example of what uh, what is this described target market is people that grew up with Pokemon, and I'm yeah, not more or fun less. of yeah, I'm not making fun of it. It's like Pokemon got released in '96. Sorry, Tony, I don't remember exactly, but uh, yeah, mid '90s. So if you were age like Yannick and I, you were maybe five or six. So you were a bit young to start playing to Pokemon, but like a couple of years later, you started play pokemon throughout like starting like eight till maybe like 15 16 17 and like, even like let's to just this say day. people who are 25 this year fair like that's okay. their target audience are people who are 25 this year going to carry around like a thick seven inch tablet with them that is only useful for gaming when they are they have chances of having 
a huge-ass cell phone in their pocket, and or a big-ass tablet in their backpack already. Like, are you going to carry another device with you that is big, well, relative to, like, a handheld console that is only useful for gaming? If people are already reluctant to bring their handheld systems with them when they go somewhere, what makes them think that there's any added benefit in carrying something that's even bigger than what they already have? Hmm. (laughs) You know what? No. I like what you mentioned about the tablet in the backpack, and I think this is where the, your res- your answer lies. I think most people these days, especially of our age, don't have the fucking iPads. And I think today's numbers from Apple shows that it's hard to sell iPads. And if you're able to say that people are having a giant phone with them that does everything, they could do gaming too. But... The best experience you could have to play Pokemon, Zelda, those Mario games. Yes, you have Super Mario. I don't remember its name. Super game Mario on. Run. Super Mario Run. I was missing a word. Uh, game on iOS. But that's your way into the Switch. Like, saying it's nice. We can give you a nice experience, a nice games. Like, typical, like, let's kill five minutes games. But if you want the real deal buy this shiny new tablet that is provided by Nintendo, and then you'll be golden. Okay, but then the the market is basically the same size as the intersection, well, maybe not the intersection, the union of the uh, the console market and the handheld market, which now you're only selling one console instead of two, so that might reduce how much money you make from selling two systems. Um, it, it depends because since you said it's the union of people that have NL hardware and home console hardware, it's kind of a bigger market. So if you sell... I'm not convinced. that I think there's a big overlap between the two. People who are going to buy dedicated hard, uh, hardware for gaming are gamers to begin with, probably. Fair. And I think that if you're targeting the gamer market, the gamer market isn't as big as you think it is. No, I think... I agree with you. What I'm saying is, can Nintendo survive on that? I think yes. And you're implying that it might not be able to survive only on that market. I don't know. I'm just thinking here. Yeah, uh, and I and maybe if I go back, uh, I have a kind of analogy here for the Switch. And I think the Switch is the equivalent of the modern age Honda Civic. And you're like, what the fuck? Where am I going with this? I think I can sort of see where you're going with it. The Honda Civic, if you've seen in, like, it's what, we're at the 10, 12 generation? I don't remember, but it's, we're at a lot of generation, at least two-digit generations. But if you go back in the 80s and 70s, people the age of my parents got their first car, and it was a Civic. And it was nice, and especially in the 90s, it was a cheap, hatchback sports car. And people in their 20s and 30s were buying shit ton of them because it was cheap, reliable, and funny to drive. And now throughout the years, especially in the last 20 years, the Civic got bigger because of technology and safety, but also got less fun to drive, more comfortable to do long runs. It seems that it has grown with its market. With the people that bought a Civic 20 years ago that were 25, 30, is still buying a Civic right now, but their need had changed. They have changed. They need maybe something more comfortable. They might not want the boy racer car at 50, but they want a Civic because they love the Civic and they've grown with the Civic. And if Nintendo is able to pull something like that, I think they will build, uh, they will build way more stronger engagement than they've been able to do in the past consoles. Okay, that's that sounds like the best the best argument I've heard so far to say that this works for the twenty ish market. Uh let's pretend for an example though that the market that Nintendo is targeting is kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's pretend that despite all of the marketing which is targeting like clearly people in their twenties who have their own apartment or whatever and are cool and social and have friends and all that shit. Be- before con- continue for a sec. Did you look at the apartment those people had? Oh my god, <laughs> I want to live in their apartments. 
Yes. Uh, I think we need to switch job at some point. Uh, I think I don't make enough money to buy this kind of apartment. But okay. Ignoring Go that. On. Yes, ignoring that. You're ignoring right. that, let's pretend that Nintendo is targeting kids. This product seems like a nightmare for kids and parents. <laughs> there are so many detachable parts that you can lose and things with their own batteries that need to be charged and managed that it's a headache to think about. It doesn't look like it's rugged at all or capable of enduring abuse that kids would put on it. And we don't even know the price tag for this yet. If it's too expensive and parents don't trust that their kids are going to be able to take care of it correctly, I just expect them to just not allow their kids to take it out of the house. No, that, that's a totally good point. And it goes really different on a different route compared to what the Wii and the Wii U were. Especially, they were marketed for people. Yes, kids, but they were also marketed to people that are not usually gamers or what we like to call like casual gamers. And by doing so, they might be like moving away f- uh, on the market that the Wii saw most of its growth with. I don't know what to say about that. It's just that it's a weird decision comparing the, uh, considering that Nintendo always said like, oh, we're always different. We always innovate. We'll bring more people to the video game. That's what Nintendo always been in the last 50 years is we created this media and we like introduce people to own console video games and I may be exaggerating a bit but that's usually what they say when they talk about video games as, as a whole. It's like we were the one and we will be the one to push it forward. Maybe may that might be in the direction that you assume and that the current gamers will like. But in 10 years, when you'll reflect on what we've did, you'll see a, ha, huh, Nintendo knew. And hopefully, this is what will happen with the Switch. Hopefully. Um, the next thing I want to question myself about uh, with regards to whether or not it'll be a success is whether or not betting on local multiplayer is really relevant in the eyes of the buyers. Uh, I have said multiple times on this very podcast that if I had kids or a girlfriend or friends to play games with on a couch, I would have gotten a Wii U a long time ago. Like, it's not even an argument that the Wii U is the uncontested leading console for local multiplayer games, both cooperative and competitive, as long as you exclude fighting games that aren't Smash Brothers, (laughs) because all of the other fighting games are on uh, PS4 and Xbox. Um, Local multiplayer is barely a concern for the other consoles aside from fighting games, so Nintendo is really, like, alone in their market here. But if local multiplayer really was a selling point, why didn't the Wii U sell? <laughs> and I think that is right now the best kind of negative point about focusing on local multiplayer is people that in most cases focuses like and enjoy local multiplayer are still casual gamers. Like that's a good way if you're more into video games that you can show to your friends, oh yeah, I got to see, this game is super nice and we can play together and we can have fun together and you're not like isolated in your basement and yelling at people on the internet, you're just having fun with each other and like we're sharing an experience. And it seems that this did not work well, even yeah. if the Wii was so good at it. Yeah, I'm not saying that the reason the Wii U didn't sell is because nobody cares about local multiplayer games, because that's clearly not the case. But I'm saying my reason for not buying a Wii U, and I think that this is the same reason that a lot of other people in the mid-20s market have. It's just that friends aren't available as DLC. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. You know who has friends? It's kids. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Seriously, sometimes I wonder if you like write on your notes. I need to say that for it to be a title, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm telling you right now we need friends as a DLC as a title. Clearly, that's the title. But no, you're right. You're right. Kids have a lot of friends because school brings a lot of kids. A lot, a lot of friends. I'm gonna close out with this. The one big question mark and the thing that was absolutely not addressed in this trailer is Nintendo is notoriously bad at online multiplayer. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I have no idea what they're planning for the Switch, but God, I hope it's good. I do have a last question. I know you wanted to end on that, but I do have a last question we need to talk to about. Sure. Something, And you did mention that in the stuff we didn't know. Mm -hmm. What would be your guess for the price of the Switch? 
four hundred dollars. Hmm. Okay. I- I'm speaking U.S. dollars here. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously. You know what? I had this discussion with Tony because, like, we were looking at. Okay, I just bought. I bought. A, I bought my PS4 recently. The PS4 has seen a price drop because the new version is coming out. Same with the Xbox One. And it seems that the sweet spot, I would say, would be like $299 US, which would be like $318 Canadian dollars right now. And if we look at the PS4 Slim, I think it's priced this way. I think they can't make it $300 unless they deliberately don't make profit on it which is an un-Nintendo thing to do it's not to say that they won't do it because I think they did do it for the Wii U right um uh, yeah they did it after the price drop when they removed the 8 gig version if I recall correctly yeah if and they want to take a loss or just sell it at cost they can get 300 but I think 400 is more likely okay the reason why I say 300 US is to stay like Stay far away from the comparison with the other console. And I think $100 is more than enough to stay away from comparison. Like, yes, you can compare it with the PS4 Slim, but it's called a PS4 Slim, right? It's not a quote-unquote real PS4. And I'm exaggerating my (laughs) argument here. (laughs) Yes, you are. I'm super exaggerating my argument. But for marketing purposes, it can work. Like saying like, okay, yeah, but don't forget. We are a bit cheaper because we're in a different category. Yes, yes, we are portable. Yes, it's the reason why it's smaller and uh, the reason why it's less powerful because it's smaller, and that people can understand. They say, okay, yes, I can get for the same money a big PS4. Yes, it's a slim, but it's a PS4 that is more powerful because it's plugged in. It stays in my apartment or house. Or for the same money, I can get something a bit less powerful. But I can travel with, I can like share controllers. If I can invest like $200 more in accessories, because we know Nintendo will do that for the, the Switch too. I can buy Amiibos to improve. But I think the best price for that would be 300 and then you can split. But maybe because of the technological leap they want to do with it, they won't be able to attain that. But I fear that if they do 399 for example, the comparison will make it kind of problematic with the new xbox one s and the playstation 4 pro actually you know what we should do we should go look up how much the nvidia shield costs that's a good idea i'm doing that right now okay okay but while yannick is looking at that price it would be interesting to look and you're right because you did mention that it was released a year ago and it was announced what two or three years ago because as far as I remember, it's Wait, a no, wow. it, it, it came out 2014. Okay, so two years ago. It's currently $200. Ooh. So maybe your 300 thing works, actually. And what was its launch price? Do you have that on end, or it's uh, uh, too far away? I'm the on the NVIDIA website right now, so I don't know. Okay. But if I recall correctly, it was around 300 I think the Shield tablet by itself is $200. If you want the controller, you need to add like a $60 controller, which is out of stock, funnily enough. Oh, wow. But that would sound kind of... Yeah, no, that sounds right. And then you could... And then you can make it like 300 because you have a better controller because it's made by Nintendo and you want Nintendo's profit margin too, so... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I, I think it's part of... Personally, I think that this price guess is part what I think, like logically, what they can do in the current market, and part what I wish it is. So that's why uh, that's why I might be a bit optimistic. Is it maybe like three forty nine in the end? I have but... like this super fear that they're going to take out the Steve Jobs slide from when he introduced the iPhone and say, "Hmm, how much is an iPod? Hmm, how much is a smartphone?" Well, if you buy those two together, it costs this much, and the iPhone is going to cost a hundred dollars less than that. Oh my goodness! But it would, be, it would be hard to do if you buy. This will mean you buy both a tablet and. No, if you buy a Wii U and if you buy a 3DS. Oh, huh. I guess technically, since this Shield apparently only does 2D graphics, you could do the 2DS and say, okay, it's eighty bucks plus whatever the hell uh, Wii U costs. And then it's not as big a deal, but still. Good. Is that it? Yep. Good. 
I think I just want to say last something is I'm personally super excited. Uh, I'm uh, still also worried, and I think you are. And hopefully in March we might be at, we might have an episode that will be our Switch reviews. I mean, I might actually be able to get my hands on an in-store demo of the Switch while I'm in Japan, depending on how things go, because usually they have those a little bit early. Um, so we'll see about that. <laughs> Ooh, that would be super interesting. It would. All right. Um, if you, oh my goodness, I'm so tired tonight. Uh, that's good. That's that's the best ending for. Uh, <laughs> wow. Our second anniversary is. I forgot that to do the ending. But that's okay. So if you can find a show note. Uh, about this episode about the Nintendo Switch, you can go on our website at Limitless Possibility slash 52 because it's our second anniversary episode. See, see, see. I can't, I can't close the show. I don't want the show to close. That's why. Okay. LimitlessPossibility.net slash 52. If you want to take a look and listen to our episodes where I know how to do the ending, you can go on <laughs> LimitlessPossibility.net. You can also find the show on Twitter at at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at at Lucanush. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. You can find Yannick at Sakurina, S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.